We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Report. We are here with a special guest, Travis May. Uh, he's a writer at Rotoviz covering all college football, college football DFS. He writes several columns every week, so you definitely can check out his work at Rotoviz or follow him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Travis, how's it going? Great. Great to be here. Uh, always happy to talk some football. Uh, I'm mostly doing a lot of college football talk in the in-season mode, but... Uh, I'm always paying attention to the NFL side, so anytime I get asked to come on a show to talk some NFL stuff, that is actually a change of pace for me. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for for joining us. Actually, uh, it's, it's it's our pleasure to have you on. There's been, uh, you know, just you know, pre-show we were talking a little bit about this, but just to give guys an idea of where we're at, uh, we just saw Jimmy G uncurl, uh, uncork this massively, incredibly impressive arc and throw. That was immediately intercepted. So my question is, should Trey Lance be starting right now? Uh, should Trey Lance be starting uh, a couple weeks ago? Uh, yeah. Same answer, and it is yes. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it's just, I mean, he's he's not only incredibly boring to watch, he's not he's not going to be like the the savior of the franchise. He's going to be a game manager. Uh, he can he can do great things, I guess, if uh, you've got a great defense. Uh, but uh, I never mm-hmm. want to really rely on Jimmy G to be the guy to really win the game for you. And uh, Trey Lance has that upside. He has the, the dual threat ability that we've seen uh, that, that just is not there with Jimmy G. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and one uh, of the reasons and- oh, I was going to say, one of the reasons I'm especially excited to get to talk to you this week is because we saw so many rookie QBs struggle and you're someone who's really tapped into the college football scene and, uh, I mean, you know, after three weeks, it's a tiny sample, but how are you feeling about this rookie quarterback class and who who's your favorite so far? So uh, this early, it's so impossible to tell. Like, I, I don't even, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, I think in Marcus Mariota's first game, he had like four touchdowns. It was like a perfect showing. And mm-hmm. uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> like, uh, he didn't, <laughs> uh, he kind of went all down, all downhill from there. So I think early on, these first, a couple starts uh, and even into late season uh, we're going to see a very different version of the quarterback that we are seeing now 
uh, you know, in October, in in mm-hmm. November. We saw that with some of the greatest passers of all time. Like I think it's probably cliche at this point, but everyone points to the lack of success uh, from like a rookie Peyton Manning. Uh, several other guys that weren't perfect passers. Even in Tom Brady's first playoff run, uh, I think he threw one passing touchdown. Like uh, these guys are just not going to be the complete uh, end end all be all uh, product, uh, even by the end of their rookie season. I know we love everyone just to hit the ground running and come out and just be Russell Wilson as a rookie. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys remember that, uh, but but man, that's just not how it always is drawn up. And yes, Justin Fields was terrible uh, this week, <laughs> but I, I still very much believe he has just as much upside as any of the other passers in this class, if, if not the the highest ceiling among all five of the uh, rookie passers right now. So, yes, it's been fun uh, to, to see what they, they've got. And, yes, Mac Jones has probably looked the best, I guess, of uh, <laughs> of the, the five. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, man, it's uh, I'm just not really worried about it just yet. So, so yeah, so just to so just to like let you guys know, so Fields he completed six of twenty passes for sixty eight yards, and he rushed Probably. three times for twelve yards. Just <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is uh, this is an abomination. <laughs> I, I've I've actually been on the uh, we've actually discussed this on our on our pod a couple of times, and it's been a while. Um, this is back when we were talking with Ian Hartitz, like it was the year after the uh, well, the season after they did the double doink. They were coming back and just, you know, we were making fun of how Matt Nagy seemed broken. He is broken, folks. This 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 team did not play football today. They, they, they had 33 offensive plays, 33. Baker Mayfield attempted 31 passes, right? Like, 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 like I don't know what is going on with, with Nagy, frankly. Like, I am, like, I am legitimately on the just, like, it almost feels like he stuck to his guns with this entire Andy Dalton, my passer bullshit. And he is very, very <laughs> entrenched. Like he, it, it, this was a very. I mean, the, the fact that like, this team didn't do anything today, right? Like they kind of rolled over and just sort of died, like died. Um, and and like we we've seen Fields play well. We we know he can play well. Like he's um, championship caliber material, frankly, right? And so you're looking at uh, you know guys like you know. Allen Robinson, theoretically QB proof, who caught two of six targets for 27 yards, right? Like, this is going to happen as a result of low flow volume. But, like, if, if Nagy is, like, intentionally, I, I, like, I'm not going to, like, say that he's intentionally doing it, right? Like, it's just, it's just one of those moments wherein you look at this and you think this team was uninterested in playing, in, in playing football today. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Uh, it's it's pretty bad if you, if you can only score six points on, on the Browns, who have not been lights out uh, against the pass. So, uh, yeah, that that whole team looked broken today, and and that's 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 a shame to say for my Chicago buddies. Yeah, this is something that is kind of you know running through my mind when you see Fields and Lawrence and even Wilson doing poorly. I mean, these teams had early picks this year because they were bad so how much of how much of like the team quality do you uh or how do you balance you know the team quality versus the quarterback quality when you're trying to evaluate these guys early in their careers well it depends i guess on what stat you're talking about um i think that there's been some fun research here recently talking about uh you know actually a lot on the pressures and sacks that quarterbacks take and how much is on the, the passer, especially like with some of the guys that we've seen change teams 
And uh, I can't remember, it was, it was one of the recent uh, Pro Football Focus guys that actually really dug into um, there being some evidence that it has to do with uh, the passer more so than the offense. So uh, it's tough because a lot of times rookie guys, there's a bunch of pressure. And so there's so we make excuses for these players thinking, well, he's just he's got a bum offensive line. They're giving him a bunch of pressure. But really, perhaps he's holding the ball too long or perhaps he's not you know, making the right read quick enough. Uh, perhaps he's he's you know seeing ghosts and putting himself in bad bad situations. So uh, I think we have to before we just latch on to any one narrative in particular, uh, have to kind of really dig into the why. Because I mean, I, I think with with each one of these rookie quarterbacks, especially uh, or, or running backs, you know, who can't get uh, you know high peak efficiency yards per carry numbers, like you just have to look at the surrounding pieces. Yes, there's probably some offensive line issues for Najee Harris. And yes, there might be some offensive line issues, uh, just overall continuity issues for Justin Fields. But but some of it is on the player, you know. So I, I think you just have to look at all of the contextual uh, variables and, and come to a unique conclusion player to player. Yeah, um, that's actually a really good way to put it, if only because I do want to talk about a little bit about um, – Trevor Lawrence, he played a little bit better today, right? He completed 22 of his 34 passes for 219 yards and a touchdown. He also threw two ints um, against, you know, what the Cardinals have, which is just this pillow soft secondary. Um, Travis, you know, like we we have, we've actually discussed a lot about the, the fact that, you know, like Lawrence's prospect profile was close to immaculate, right? But he hasn't lived up at all. In any in, in in any way close to you know what we thought we'd be getting right because like a lot of these newer quarterbacks have seemed far more pro ready you know like would you be sounding the alarm bells here on Lawrence or are you looking at uh, you know just sort of like you know just just what we just discussed which is like say the course like maybe it all kind of turns around soon you know I think so yes uh, it, it, anytime you, you put pressure on a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, he was supposed to be the savior of the quarterback position. And not only has it been coming into this draft season and the fact that, you know, he's like this top overall pick and, uh, you know, you assume that he's going to come in and he's got a college, basically college offensive coordinator who who has propped up some passing profiles for some quarterbacks in years past. And he seems to have some weapons, um, you know, maybe not top tier weapons, but at least, uh, you know, a, a decent trio of options to toss the ball to. Uh, so we, I think that the expectations were just kind of through the roof from the beginning. So unless he was perfect and unless he, you know, went, came out and threw 100 yards, three touchdowns and zero interceptions in his first career game, there was going to be some kind of letdown factor. Um, and I think with, with Trevor Lawrence, most of his college career, if you look at his games and the, and the game script of most games that he played in in college, it was, hey, Clemson is – uh, about 90 to 1000 percent better than everybody that they're playing. Uh, they're up by, you know, about 60 points by halftime. And, uh, you know, he's playing maybe three quarters of the game. Uh, and then when he actually gets to a point where he plays a decent team, most of the time uh, outside of like a couple early games in his career where he kind of made some mistakes against some weaker teams, like when he made it to the playoffs, like he looked, he, he would make good plays, but he looked less spectacular because the competition level was just easier. And so like when he's playing in Alabama, when he's playing uh, a Georgia, when he's playing like an actual playoff team and, and everything is equal, 
Uh, he looks less less like he is um, the savior of the position. And I think that's just the nature of any rookie quarterback because uh, he probably dominated at every single level. And a lot of these guys, uh, we're seeing a more, more and more of these guys coming from blue blood programs that are just absolutely stacked at wide receiver, absolutely stacked at offensive line. And, and now they come in and they don't even have a top 10 unit of surrounding characters. And then they're actually playing teams that are legit better than them. Um, I think that's just uh, – I don't know how many human psyches would stand up to that kind of that shift, uh, but I'm not worried about Trevor Lawrence at all because uh, at every step of the way he proved he could be the best. Um, he failed in certain instances, uh, really, in his entire college career, um, but he'll get there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of, I would definitely tend to agree with that. I mean, after three. After three weeks, you almost expect these rookie quarterbacks to struggle in the NFL. Um, yeah. It's really, you know, the the kind of Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson career arc is way more yeah. rare than. Uh, yeah, that's not normal. Like to think, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, just, just to push back a little bit on the Deshaun Watson stuff, like like back when Kevin Cole was was with us, he did make a really good statistical case for him, not because. People got scared off because of this fake throw velocity stuff, right? Like, which is just some guys from our lads pointing a radar gun at randomly thrown balls and interpolating like 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 a throw velo. Like, <laughs> like, like, Kev Cole basically made a point. Just that was very simple. Like, I'm gonna butcher it, but it was very simple in its in his thought process, which was like, this guy has done nothing but win at like literally every level. Like what? Like what is there to like? And even with a really, really poor Clemson team, like he actually oh, yeah. was the reason reason that like the Clemson program's actually relevant today. Right? Oh yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was basically him. Like Taj Boyd was before him. Taj Boyd, but, but yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Deshaun Watson made Clemson. Like Dabo yeah. is is great, maybe. Yeah, but but Deshaun Watson, like their their recruiting was not great before. Deshaun Watson came there and like if you look at the last like playoff era recruiting like it's still just now just this year broke into the top 10 in, in college football which is insane when you think about how stack Clemson has looked but it's mm-hmm. mainly been the quarterback play that got it to be what it is yeah yeah it's 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 uh, it's really fa- uh, Her- Herbert is a little bit different because he's um I remember he was really a solid player before um before um you know he had that, like a couple like a, like that down year with Oregon but he he was kind of highly you know doubted as a prospect if only I mean he's kind of like your, your best case scenario right like uh, it's a lot of the um, a lot of those accuracy issues almost like went away overnight the second he stepped onto an NFL field I don't know man like like you know like he would look really really good yeah but the thing about that is if you adjust for certain schematic variables and like uh just the surrounding cast and understand the context. Like um, you can, you can squint and look at his profile and still see a 90th percentile plus efficient passer, accurate passer still. Um, you know, he was just struggling with health sometimes. Like he, you know, he, he had two seasons where he, he missed almost half the year. And so you know, he had everything going for him. He had, he was like the, he's, he's where the analytics and the film agree. Like he's got all the physical tools, like with the mobility and the size to just, throw somebody to the ground but then he also has the efficient passing profile mixed in with a decent rushing floor as well uh, that, that the nfl has come to love in the quarterback position so 
he was basically perfect, and we just screwed up because we got we got nervous about um, you know the, the low points in his career. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, given that you're not that worried about these rookie quarterbacks, like um, seeing Lawrence struggle doesn't have you off him right no. away. Uh, are you at all worried about the pass catchers that they're throwing to? Like, you know, we see. Visca with some down games after yeah. we drafted him pretty highly. So yeah. uh, at what point do you say maybe, maybe Lawrence can't support as many receiver weapons as we had hoped? Yeah. I mean, how many, how many quarterbacks can really support like three options? You know, like mm-hmm. we see every single year, there's probably like four or five. I think that's what the number is typically that we, that we see offenses put up, you know, two top 24 guys, but three, you know, three guys is just not going to happen. And when they brought in Marvin Jones, like, He's the real veteran of the group, and really, in, in terms of the like the version of the players that they are today, Marvin Jones is probably the best one. Uh, DJ Chark really struggling to actually haul in a bunch of the targets. Like, what is it? Two weeks ago, he caught three balls on twelve targets or something nuts. Like yeah. uh, uh, last week, it was like one of four. Like it's it's not <laughs> not great right now, and it's not all on Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, I think we need to uh, dampen those those high expectations. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, um, but, you know, just wanted to move on a little bit from 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 this game. Um but we will be, we will be returning to it in a little bit though, because I, I wanted to get your thoughts. I know you're a big Titans fan here, and AJ Brown he left the game today, you know, with that hamstring injury. Do you have yeah. like any any idea, you know, of how long of an injury like like has Brown been? You know, he hasn't looked himself at all this season. Like you know, like any any thoughts on, on what's going to happen here with Brown and the like the offense? Um, because I, like I'll be honest with you, the the Titans. Um, they're not great to watch man like this this new (laughs) oc is terrible i'm sorry yeah yeah so i don't know much about the injury and i'm not going to really try to speculate with that uh but in terms of the offensive play calling um even with with just basic stuff like just how they utilize the tight ends uh how they i mean like basically not at all uh it just completely changed things like I, i what they had last year worked and so you would think that they would keep a lot of the playbook in, in place, um, but they completely abandoned play action in first week. Uh, they did like basically none. Uh, and that just left Derrick Henry out to dry. Um, but even today, uh, as a football nerd does, like I point out the like subtle things 
um, built into the scheme that basically tell an offense like what you're going to do. Like, hey, by the way, we're running. And, and it's like the, the Titans offense, they don't dress things up right now. And uh, that makes it really boring to watch because you're like, oh, it's first and 10. And they have five on of offensive linemen and two tight ends. And, oh, he just put a tight end in motion to the left side. And then, uh, you know, got, you know, they stack that set up. Oh, they're running left. Hey, this is exactly what they're doing. And, and you would think that, like, hey, they're trying to set something up for later. And that's what they would do last year. But you watch the whole game and you realize, oh, that was just really bad play calling and, and no creativity whatsoever offensively. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned because it's not looking as efficient. And when something does go well, it's because Ryan Tannehill did something perfect or Derrick Henry, you know, threw some, threw somebody six feet under the ground. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not, it's not pretty. And so I'm, I'm really worried because we knew the volume was going to be low for guys like Julio guys like AJ Brown guys like anybody else uh, already uh, outside of Derrick Henry. So I, I, I'm off of everything not named Derrick Henry in that offense for the most part. Now, um, the guy who scored a touchdown, who I'm only like slightly embarrassed to say I've never heard of and won't even try to pronounce his name. I'm hoping that you can tell me something about him, Travis, since you're sure. Like yeah, so, college football. <laughs> um, yeah. So Nick Westbrook was like, yeah, man, he was a big thing. I think it was his, his true freshman season for Indiana. Uh, I'm from Indiana, by the way. I do not like the Hoosiers, but I, I'm from Indiana. He was a big thing. He was a big deal. I think he had like 800 yards or something as a true freshman. So in, in the Debbie fantasy football community, we were like, oh, my gosh, this guy's amazing. And then he just he got hurt. Uh, and struggled to ever repeat what he did, even as a true freshman. So he kind of went backwards. Um, and so he was struggling to make even the Titans practice squad. But, uh, you know, he looked great in, on, in, like on field and without a shirt on because he's got like a 17-pack going on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's a really fun guy that, that has just earned his way into snaps. And even without Julio coming uh, to the roster this year, he was going to make the active roster most of the time and, and probably work into – by the end of the year, the the wide receiver three role. So I think he could actually be productive. Um, he's got some wheels and he's stayed healthy uh, really since he's gotten to the league. So whatever happened, whether it be dietitians or whatever that got him to where he needed to be, he looks like the uh, old player that we got excited about back in like 2016 or something. So it's been a long yeah. time, but he's, <laughs> I think he actually, might be fun because he's absolutely free everywhere, yeah, most likely. Yeah. And so that I think if if AJ Brown is to miss some time, he could be a boom boom bust kind of flex play. But I'm not, you know, I'm not really excited about yeah. trusting him. And if you are, yeah. your team's probably not competing anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Godspeed. I mean, on the other end of the on the <laughs> on the on the on the opposite side of the ball, though. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I'm starting to get like. <sighs> a little nervous about at least Jonathan Taylor and his ups like, and like his upside, right? Like, um, Naheem Hines worked in quite a bit. Uh, he also, you know, um, was used primarily actually as a receiver, right? He caught like five of his six pass 54 yards. He also actually scored, um, you know, a touchdown on six of his, uh, carries. He put up 25 yards and a score. So, you know, like, Talk me back into JT because I really want to believe, but we've kind of, we, I, I wouldn't even say that these are floor games, right? Because everyone, everyone wants to say that these are, you're getting a four performance, but realistically what you're getting is just sort of a, 
a wasted pick of a performance almost like 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 talking back <laughs> into JT. Yeah, so Jonathan Taylor is just um kind of a victim of the modern NFL, frankly. Like if you watch the the game live, uh to hear the commentators talk about Naheem Hines the way that they did, uh, there was there was one point uh where they were it was almost surprised like, "Oh, Naheem Naheem Hines is not on the field for this play." Like yeah, duh. Like he's he should be. <laughs> like what are you talking about? It's like there's there's just going to be these annoying timeshares like all the time. And, and that's just where 25 plus teams are uh, in the NFL. That's where yeah. almost all the offensive coordinators are. And Jonathan Taylor is probably a top five back in the league and is going to average like six yards per carry this year and have some decent receiving numbers and still frustrate you like five or six more times. Um, and, and he's way better than Naeem Hines at literally everything except for maybe, been, you know, using the cliche, you know, making people miss in a phone booth or whatever people say, uh, <laughs> you know. So, but Hines is a great player too. Like, I, I like him for PPR, liked him for PPR, just knowing the Colts were just going to screw it up again. Uh, but even dating back to his time at NC State, like he and Jalen Samuels, because they were both like Swiss Army Knives, like if you heard the coaching staff of NC State or anyone during draft season talk about what the coaching staff of other ACC programs said about Hines. It's like, he's a problem. Like uh, the solid verbal guys like to like, you know, some teams have a problem problem and that they don't have any players that are problems. And Naheem Hines is a problem. And so uh, he, he makes people miss. He gets to the edge in an, an annoying way. If your defense doesn't have a lot of speed and the Titans don't have a lot of speed. So he had a higher snap count today. Uh, so that's going to, that's going to happen sometimes. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's not that, not that weird to see Taylor not get used when the Colts are really not playing well. Um, I mean, he did have the six catches in week one, so you kind of just hope that he is getting more receiving work, but at the same time, like, you know, like you said, Hines is there, so he's going to get, he's going (laughs) to get his touches too. So it's, uh, it's a tough situation. I don't know if, Maybe we were all a little too high on this Indianapolis offense going into the season to be drafting Taylor so high, but um, yeah, uh, it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, if you just look at the wide receivers, uh, the, the the guys to yeah. really distract and take some pressure off the box too. It's like we all want to get excited about Michael Pittman, and we all yeah. want to get excited about Paris Campbell. Well, maybe two years ago we did, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just and and Zach Pascal, really. That that's the dude. Like that's your red zone target. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, come on. So yeah, there there were some questions that I just don't think we were ready to to face. Speaking of uh, speedy speedy running backs, I guess um, Cordero Patterson rushed seven times for twenty yards in that Falcons' week three win over the Giants. He also added six catches for 82 yards this is actually great uh i mean you know we were we were a little ahead of the curve in a couple of leagues on 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 on, on cordero patterson um it's actually kind of funny because i mentioned him earlier but ian hartis has been really big on on this entire uc pat as a, as a running back type thing so i wanted to get your take like are we you know two good performances in a row are we comfortable slotting in Cordero Patterson in as, as, as a, in a starting lineup? Because I made, I think I made us start him, uh, sit him in favor of Kenneth Gainwell. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to tell my kids one day that uh, Cordell Patterson was actually a kick return specialist for the Minnesota Vikings. And they're going to be like, <laughs> no, he wasn't. Like, <laughs> I don't believe you. Because uh, we're going to remember this this late renaissance in his career where all of a sudden he was this just weapon. Uh, and, and so I, I think it's going to be fun just to see what he does. Because I remember arguments for him, I think it was 2015 or something, uh, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, Cordero Patterson getting arguments like, hey, he's actually the most efficient running back since the year 2000, and he's a wide receiver. And so this has been a thing for a long time, but it's just really fun to see a team finally figure it out. Oh, oh yeah, you know that guy who is like the best vision in the entirety of sport? Like, let's let's see if he's good at running back uh, and, and yeah. give him some snaps there. So, yeah, I, I believe it. I believe he can be an absolute fun boom-bust flex blade that's going to get you two weeks, two points one week and 24 the next. And uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, Patterson getting worked in means they're not throwing like 12 targets to Mike Davis anymore, which can yeah. only be good for the Falcons. So um, that is definitely a positive. Uh, I mean, you know, I drafted Calvin Ridley on a ton of teams. This Falcons passing offense has looked horrible the whole year. Even today when they won the game, they were awful. Um, (laughs) Is Patterson like the only good thing about this team going forward? Are you expecting any kind of bounce back from Atlanta? I think so. Just because I I think I still believe that there's something in the tank with Matty Ice. Like he's not as washed as Big Ben. You know, (laughs) uh, that's really hard to watch uh, most of the time. Um, but yeah, I think so. I think they'll bounce back. And even like the usage, which is weird, but like even the usage and how much they have used, Mike Davis has been okay for, for flex use. Like I, I've, I got him super cheap in a few spots, even in auction leagues where I was just like, huh, I don't know how I won him for that, but I did. And so mm-hmm. I'm still based on the investment and based on where I'm most likely slotting him in, in lineups. Most of the time I'm okay. Still, still trusting for what, for what I think he's going to return, especially if I'm in a league where I have to, where it's not just one flex or it's like an eight team league or a 10, 10 team home league, or, you know, if it's deep at all, I'm still trusting in that work. And I think Ridley will definitely bounce back. Uh, he's been too good, too good. Not to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this actually reminds me of, of a player who burst onto the scene a couple of years ago. And now he's been struggling through injury. And that's right, folks. Um, I think Cordero Patterson is the Raheem Mostert that everyone remembers from a few years ago, right? Just sort of this journeyman guy who kind of stays in the league, but he's known primarily for his special teams work. He's garnered a lot of hype, really efficient, just a brutally fast player, right? And then when he gets that like bump in usage, he actually is able to produce. So I think that that's what we're looking at. And Blair and I kind of, we were like, decamping a little bit about Raheem Mostert when he had that massive breakout year and it's like what did we miss it's just that he was in the league so early that he kind of missed every screen that we've got right like he his entrance into the league his league uh, what it predates Rotoviz's inception I believe like I'm gonna have to check (laughs) no he he came in the league in 2015 but he just did nothing for four years yeah. yeah yeah so so kind of so kind of kind of where like around the nascency of Rotoviz, right? Um, but that's that's who this reminds me of. It's just this freakishly fast guy. Um, and he's getting used in this in a similar way. 
And uh, much like Mostert, he's a converted wide receiver at this point because that's what like was Mostert's calling card. He was like a wide a wide receiver at Purdue and a track no, star I mean, at Purdue. Well, he was he was a running back, but he was also just a really fun receiving back. Like he was, yeah. he um he and I don't know if you guys remember Akeem Hunt, but I actually went to Purdue. So like I I, oh. I mean mm. yeah they were a, they were a fun like electric tandem both had like legit track speed they were they were like track athletes that just hey hey can you play football <laughs> like that kind of like that kind of guy um, cuz that's all that the Purdue can get cuz they can't actually recruit but um <laughs> you know uh, you know the, the, he was basically his usage most of his usage was like that low volume high efficiency you know, yeah. uh, and for Purdue, high efficiency is like six yards per touch instead of like the normal college stud. That's like eight. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I digress. You know, I, I'm just nobody wants to hear about the Purdue football team. Sorry. <laughs> um, I want to talk about a Purdue guy because I think we were all expecting um, Rondell Moore to be like a big thing in week three. And it turned out it was Christian Kirk for the. Yeah, for the Cardinals. So, I mean, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting about this team is they have, you know, they have several good receivers. Obviously, they spread the ball around pretty evenly. Um, I mean, how comfortable are you trusting these guys on a weekly basis? These uh, Cardinals wide receivers. Well, it's it it's like the the volume's always going to be there in terms of, um, I guess, in terms of targets. And so the dangerous thing I think that's going to be something that is annoying with with Rondale for a while until they, you know, until something happens with with Kirk. I don't know what, what like how long he's there. Like until they, you know, maybe maybe AJ Green's uh, uh, zombie self leaves or something. You know, you know something <laughs> changes uh, where they don't have four truly trustworthy options. But with Rondale Moore, like his. His career ADOT uh, was basically almost like negative, <laughs> you know, at <laughs> Purdue. Uh, and so that's kind of what we've seen uh, in terms of how he's getting used for the Cardinals. And so we love air yards. And, and uh, if, if somebody's getting a lot of air yards and lots of targets as well, um, but they're not booming just yet, we expect that they will. And the thing with Rondale is he's never going to get too many air yards. So if they if a team really wants to key on him and be like, hey, we're not going to let this guy who runs a 4-3 and can like fit like in between like the space and like with your mattress and, and your like your sheets. It's like, like he's, he's just <laughs> this like tiny little person uh, who can also throw a car. Like we're, we're not going to let that guy beat us. Um, it's going to be frustrating because some teams are going to key on him and shut mm-hmm. him down because he's too much of a threat. And he gets targeted at like one yard off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it's just a bummer. I mean, like AJ Green targets really hurt. Like, um, just because I mean, so I know I know DeAndre Hopkins was a was a, was a did not practice all week. He you know kind of was a last second active. I think he played that decoy role. Um, you know, the horizontal raid should should technically be perfect for for Rondale. So I'm not too concerned, right? Like, I yeah. think this is just like a blip. Like, um, oh, wait, hold on. Did you just say horizontal raid? Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, I mean, make, make sure. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, 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 like air raid like, turn sideways. Yeah, yeah. 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 Pretty much. Like, like it's, you know, Hal mummified all those guys, right? Like it's just a complete <laughs> joke of a, of an offense. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury did something in this game that is just, it's, Still boggles the mind um, where he attempt like he gave up a hundred and nine yard touchdown 
to the Jags. It was a return touchdown because I think they attempted a 64-yard or the 65-yard field. Like they attempted a very long field goal. It was 68, right? Oh, there you go. A 68-yarder, yeah. right? So so if any of you guys are looking for me on Twitter, my name is Cliff Kicksbury. Um, I'm genuinely surprised that it, that, that my that – my, um, uh, mentions didn't light up like a Christmas tree after that because they typically do. <laughs> and, and so, and so like, you know, watching them concede seven points at like this, like ludicrously long, long field goal attempt at, at the end of the half is almost comical. Like, I, I just, I just think Cliff is like, we all know he's a fake sharp or whatever, but like, we're actually like to the point where, He's a complete fraud. Like he, like, like, like the Cardinals need to move on. Like, frankly, like I'm, I'm just like <laughs> enough of this, like sideways throwing like garbage that like requires a lot of Ky- 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 Kyler magic to get there. Just automatically fake sharp. I love that. He's just like, just nonchalant, <laughs> like absolute garbage. Like bye. like <laughs> we've been seeing this for a while though. Like, like he's just not good. I don't know. He, he, he's got a fun, He's got a fun scheme. It's just not. It's just not. Um, I don't know. It, it can go very wrong, though. I, I see. I, I see. I get the criticism, but it is. It is unique, and it is tough to stop if you have the right playmakers. That's true. Um, but I did. I did. But did you know that he is not Air Raid certified? So I went to the Air Raid website to see if he was licensed to to, <laughs> to be in the uh, to see if he paid the five hundred to get the certification, and he is not Air Raid certified. More like he's like running that. the Schmear raid. There. You say Schmear raid? Schmear. Like some <laughs> kind of like horizontal Schmear raid. raid. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, 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 whatever the uh, whatever the store brand version of the air raid is, is he's running it. It goes the wrong way. <laughs> now, now I'm tracking. Um, we mentioned Matt Ryan and how washed he is, and even Big Ben and how washed he is. I mean, if you are. Uh, running back in the Pittsburgh offense who gets targeted 19 times, maybe you don't even care about how bad your quarterback is. Like, is this something, obviously 19 targets is not something we can expect from, from Najee every week, but uh, I mean, this has got to be pretty encouraging, right? Yeah. And I think uh, we, we understood that coming into this year, it was likely that Najee Harris was going to have the the best workload uh, and it was going to be inefficient because the Steelers' offensive line was absolutely awful, and they did basically nothing to fix it. Um, so, yeah, all season long, Najee Harris is going to be the only guy to score a touchdown, and he's going to get several receptions, probably just because. Honestly, that that's that's how uh, you know, that, like the little swing passes to to Najee in the flat. That's that's how Alabama like to use him as a receiver, getting get that two hundred thirty plus pounds of of Najee going. And see who can stop him, uh, and that that uh, that might be the about as far as Big Ben can actually throw downfield at this point. Uh, you know, maybe a little swing pass, uh, two or three yards downfield. Don't go to four; that's that's too far. <laughs> uh, which is also why Chase Claypool is a complete fade, just because of how he wins and where he wins. Like Big Ben can't get it there. Like so, <laughs> sorry. Like we'll wait for a big boom week from him, and just peace. I'm done. Never again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. On the other side of this game, though, the other guy I want to talk about, uh, another rookie, Jamar Chase, caught two touchdowns today. He was only targeted five times. His 
His opportunity doesn't really uh, line up with his fantasy points so far. He's way outplaying the sort of opportunity you would expect him to, uh, or the amount he would score based on his opportunity. Um, You know, is he just literally the best wide receiver ever, or uh, (laughs) how much regression are we expecting for him? I think you have to assume a little bit unless his target share does indeed grow. But again, we just saw this from another former LSU wide receiver last year in Justin Mm -hmm. Jefferson, who I think barely eclipsed 100 targets on the year, but finished way high. Uh, We were all waiting for the crash down and it didn't happen. And not only uh, is Chase assumed to be better than Justin Jefferson uh, and had been at every step throughout his entire career, he gets to catch passes from the same quarterback that yeah. uh, he was basically the best college f- football wide receiver ever catching passes from. So I do expect some level of, of impressive efficiency. And yes, I do believe that he's going to be a wide receiver one for 10 years or so. Mm, wow. uh, maybe not this year, uh, but even last year, like even missing an entire year, we're like, yeah, that's okay. Jamar Chase is basically the best guy we've seen since 2014. And yeah. and and he's already looking like that's the case. But he drops the ball though. Stop it. Um, <laughs> um yeah. Uh, let's just not even go there, but yeah. Uh, he's going to he's going to dip a little bit down, but he's also going to be a wide receiver one for for the next 10 years. Hey, if you want to make fun of the guys who are like are talking about drops, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so don't. That's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like if he's going to get targets and he's uh, amazing, he can drop the ball some. If if it changes his targets and they go away, cool. But that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you hear kind of the criticism. Um, you know, he's been so efficient, he can't keep this up. And like, obviously, you don't expect him to do this forever. But at the same time, we were drafting him because he was like this. You know, star, generational man. talent but i mean yeah, yeah he was like the best wide receiver prospect we had seen in a long time you yeah. would expect him to be efficient um i think uh it was a little a little bit disappointing that with higgins out he didn't get more than five targets today but i mean at the same time you know burrow attempting 18 passes pittsburgh just looks awful so you don't really need him uh, no. that much i guess uh five targets out of 18 throws is still a pretty good target share so you're you're pretty happy with that. Yeah, the target share, I guess, is not the problem. It's just the, the overall volume, really. I mean, that's what we're yeah. talking about. And by the way, I said sell Chick Claypool high. I, I meant to actually specify this was the week. So the, right now, <laughs> right. <laughs> right now, go go sell off any uh rostered claypool that you have. Um uh I did want to just touch a little bit on kicker talk because uh because Blair, the guy who he wants to always draft in the first round of FFPC drafts, uh Justin Tucker, he he hit this like record setting 66 yarder field goal to win the game for 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 the Ravens in Detroit. So just just want to acknowledge that that Cliffs Kingsbury is attempting this with Matt Prater when he's got the wrong guy. He really needs a Justin Tucker. Everybody needs needs a Justin Tucker. Let's be real. Yeah. Everybody. That dude's a stud. Even on your, even on your fantasy team, probably. Actually, yeah. funny story today. Um, Dave and I did draft Justin Tucker in one of our FFPC main event teams, and we also had Higgins. And I guess we thought that the other person was managing the starting lineup, and neither of us bothered <laughs> to check. So we left Higgins in the lineup. Oh, oh my we're god! Still gonna, 
we're still going to win because Tucker put up 20 <laughs> points. So it's all good. Oh, that feels good. I, oh, man. Yeah, that, that happened to me in a couple of spots. Like I, I didn't get to uh, – no, I didn't get to Josh Jacobs or something last week. And like yeah. one – and just, I don't know, I'm in way too many leagues. But then yeah. still won the games anyway. <laughs> um, That's I, always good. Yeah, yeah, but like the you know, I, I did want to talk about a little bit mm-hmm. about Javante here. Um, he was kind of inefficient, I guess, relative to Melvin Gordon. He you know he had twelve touches for twenty nine yards in a TD, right? And he also had this like fumble on like the one yard line. Unfortunately, that was kind of backbreaking. But he also caught three passes. Travis, I really wanted to get your thoughts on, is this what you thought Javante would look like coming into the league? Do you think he'd be better, more explosive than this, worse than this? Like, What were your thoughts here on, on Javante? And then I also wanted to get your thoughts on Michael Carter on the other side. Sure. So Javante Williams, I really liked him a lot. I think I had him as my running back three as early as, I don't know, late September last year when he started exploding for North Carolina. He was already better than Michael Carter coming into the year. Um but yeah, I think his his style, we knew that he might struggle with the uh, inefficiency early because he likes to just attack people. He can make you miss, but he can also like, you know, if you don't if you're not ready for him, he'll like throw you into another zip code. Um and so that doesn't work as well uh in the NFL as it does against the ACC when you're playing like Duke, like the, the Duke accountants and you know, it's just like it's just a completely different level. So yeah, I, I expected some early inefficiencies, but I, I love the fact that he was a great receiver. So I thought that he was going to stick and he's like seven years younger than Melvin Gordon's broken knees. So yeah. like at some point he's going to be the guy for them. And and that's that's probably sooner than than later. And they clearly want him involved a ton because he's, he's seen what, 15 touches or so three weeks in a row mm-hmm. as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's I mean. You know, we like to draft rookie running backs a lot in even in redraft because they tend to get better as the season goes on. So to see him being see him getting this much usage early in the season is definitely definitely a positive signal for uh, what we should expect, I think, going forward. Um, Yeah, he did have more targets than Melvin Gordon this week. So I think uh, that's, you know, even if the uh, the rushing efficiency wasn't there. They're using him in ways that are definitely good for fantasy. So I think you still still are buying if you if people are, I don't know, put off by a poor game. I don't know. He scored a touchdown, so it wasn't that bad. By the way, yeah. But nobody, nobody was efficient on the ground for them. Like even, yeah, even right. knowing, like, you know, the team was like 3.3 yards per carry or something. But I did mm-hmm. love that uh DeMario uh, Crockett actually got some some work. He was uh he was a Debbie darling. I think at one point he was ranked like like really high, like top five running back for Debbie back in the day. So mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of cool to see him like, Oh, he's, he's actually in the NFL. That's cool. <laughs> uh, this is good. Dead air. Um, I mean, <laughs> the, one other, <laughs> the one other guy who I really want to get some thoughts on, not a rookie by any stretch of the imagination, but Mike Williams has put up, a couple really good games. Um, you know, Sean wrote him up this off season as a potential fifth year breakout. Uh, I don't know. Are you a believer in this kind of, in this performance we've seen? I, I'm typically not a believer in this uh, career trajectory. You know, it's like, yeah. that's, that's not uh, super common. I mean, we've, we've done work on that at Rotoviz and like what we typically see and, 
and this isn't it. Uh, but uh, it is tough to really break out when you're sharing uh, the target load with Keenan Allen, you know, like a mm-hmm. guy who has just pretty much not because he's a diva, but because he's just one of the best in the NFL and has been for five or six years. Um, he basically just demands 130 plus targets all the time. And so, yeah, it, it's not always going to be super efficient, but what I think has changed um, and you can prove, you can tell me I'm wrong on this, but I think when I've watched Mike Williams, it's where, where he's targeted now has, has shifted. He's got a lot of the underneath stuff when they were trying to, in prior years, you know, push it downfield a little bit more, use his size. Um, but the NFL, um, you know, they, they always, they're changing and learning. And I think what they're realizing is that Mike, Mike Williams can actually just punch people in the mouth and box him out on the short stuff too. And uh, he's winning that way in a way that I don't think we've ever seen him. So I think if a team was just going to use him the same exact way again in year five, I wouldn't expect this to to continue. But because of how he's been used this year, that's looked different. I think I do believe, and I am buying into this, uh, maybe he doesn't you know, see um, as much volume uh, and maybe some shifts elsewhere, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. And I think it is more sustainable than than we might think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Coming into the week, he was, I mean, yeah, he had been leading in expected points for the team and, you know, something that's pretty sticky going forward. So uh, it's, when you're looking at kind of, I don't know, making start decisions, DFS calls, I like to look at that stuff and Mike Williams is popping and I'm like, oh, but I can't really play him. Come on. But uh, yeah, he he definitely proved me wrong today, so. Yeah, his deployments um, just changed, man. It looks it looks different for once. So it's uh, it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you did you guys follow him in college? Like to see him yeah. like basically break his neck and then yeah. come back to where he's dominating like this, and it's just that's too fun. Yeah. He, yeah. he was uh he was a Clemson guy, right? Yeah. Broke his yeah. neck on like the, the goalpost. I remember like, that. Yep. That was yep. insane. And now he's yeah. just dunking on people like eight years later or whatever. Yeah, the guy who we hope to see, right? Um, mm. And Friedman's been pretty – Matthew Friedman, uh, you know, former Road of His Radio executive producer. Um, he was, um, you know, very, very vocal about Mike Williams' upside. You know, we're, we're finally seeing it, right? Like, it is it is exciting. Um, the other guy who – and I don't even know if this is true or not, but I'm just going to say it anyway, is we saw the – probably the best game of his career from Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? He rushed 17 times for a hundred yards. He had two catches for nine yards and a touchdown. He also had this fumble really early on. And I was convinced his career was over. Like that was the moment <laughs> where I was like, Oh, this guy's done. Oh, bye. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to get your thoughts, uh, Travis on, on CEH. Is this what we expected coming out of college? Like, did you think this was like the fit? Like, I think he's left a lot of gamers feeling very, very burned about who he is. I want to get your thoughts there. Uh, yeah, I think I had him as my running back five or something, maybe even six behind Antonio Gibson at one point, I think, in his class. Um, and then he got, like, the first running back taken. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, oh, that looks bad. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was on a, this prolific all-time great offense at LSU in 2019. And he had a bunch of uh, raw receiving volume and it's like oh great he's going to come into the league and he's going to be this crazy receiving back and oh he's going to be a feature on the ground in this this amazing chiefs offense and uh, he just hasn't caught passes um 
Mm-hmm. He didn't really actually catch, you know, in terms of overall uh, receiving yard market share, like taking up a bunch of like a large chunk of that overall um, LSU offense. He he wasn't really high there. He had a bunch of raw volume because they threw for like, I don't know, 80 million yards, I think was about what it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I was not expecting him to just immediately be this feature receiver or this feature back because he wasn't incredibly athletic um, in terms of straight line speed. He's really shifty, but he's also undersized. And he has, he had one great peak season, but um, that wasn't a ton to go off of. And it was very much schematically boosted because everyone was afraid of the, the trio of wide receivers that they had. And so everyone was just clearing out, Hey, Clyde Edwards Lair, here's 15 yards of space. Oh, you got to make one guy miss. That's like 500 pounds more than you. That looks great. But, um, you know, I, I wasn't ever like through the roof on him, even after the landing spot. I, I thought that even though we just, you know, uh, dogged on J, JT earlier, Jonathan Taylor, he was still the running back one. I still think he's way better than CEH, and I still am concerned long term uh, just with uh, Claude Edwards-Hilaire ever being what we thought he could be. Uh, but it, it's great to see him bounce back. But I, I'm not all of a sudden like, hey, he's a top five running back now. That's just yeah. – that's not who he is. Yeah, it's hard when you see uh, when you see JT struggle on the Colts. It's hard not to think about what uh, what could have oh, been if the Chiefs had taken Chiefs. him. Oh, dude! Like oh. seriously, that would have been he would have been he would have been the top five back like every single week. Like because yeah. he was literally you know he's better at one two three oh everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that would have gone incredibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess you're you're happy if you're rostering Clyde Edwards-Helaire and have to start him, you know, with this performance. But again, to have him only get two targets today, um, you know, even with the touchdown, is like, well, is this really a breakout or is this just kind of he had a he got lucky and scored some points? I don't know. I'm. I don't feel like I. Well, I'm not comfortable starting him even where I own him necessarily, unless I have to, which. A lot of times I do, but <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Yeah, if you if you have them, it's it's hard not to. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right. Well, uh, with that, we'll get out of here. Travis, uh, you're writing at Rotoviz. You've also got the College to Canton podcast. Anything else uh, going on this season? Uh, yeah. So I've at this point, I, I've really tried to. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.